This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. If you haven't met, my name is Chris. I'm the pastor here. And uh, one of the things that we are trying to do in 2023 is we want to take time as often as we can to thank God for the great things that he has done in our life. And so I want to invite you, if you've got stories of God's healing, God's provision, um, God's salvation, send those to us at praise at christianchapel.com. Um, the idea comes from Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2, where it says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day, in our time, make them known. And so what we want to do is just kind of pause and, and take a couple minutes each week, if, if we can, and tell the stories of what God is doing. Um, honestly, for me, the hardest part is going to be just telling you one each week. But I have one um, that some of you might know, some of you might not have heard, but Matt and Randy McCumber are some of our Kingdom Builders partners. So this fits well as we start our Kingdom Builders series um, this, this week. Uh, Matt wrote, he said, in early 2021, while we were traveling to different churches to raise a team of supporters for our work overseas, our daughter Brenna began experiencing severe pain throughout her body, pain that regularly brought her to tears. Her knee was particularly painful with limited range of motion, which hindered her ability to walk normally. After blood work and evaluation, Brenna was diagnosed with juvenile idiopathic arthritis. This was a lifetime terrible diagnosis. This disease only gets worse with age. We found a renowned specialist in Oklahoma City and began traveling back and forth for appointments. The doctor had significant concern that long-term damage had already occurred to Brenna's knee, and she was developing a plan for Brenna to begin weekly injections to help ease her pain. From the moment Brenna was diagnosed, we began asking many of the churches we visited to pray for her we took her forward for prayer whenever it was offered in services. In the summer of 2021, Brenna and her sisters attended a church camp during a training in Indiana. Brenna came home from camp saying that she had stopped taking her medicine because God had healed her. She had not had any significant pain since. In her subsequent follow-up appointments with a specialist in Oklahoma City, it was confirmed that she had reduced inflammation throughout her body and improvement in the flexibility of her knee, despite previous indications that her knee had already suffered long-term damage. After further examination, the doctor confirmed that Brenna was completely healed. She had absolutely no symptoms or indications of juvenile arthritis. Her knee was fine, her walking flawless, and she moved with full mobility. Jesus healed her. And so we, we just want to take some time. We're going to read those stories, and then uh, we're going to stop and kind of follow what Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2 teaches us of not just say, Lord, we've heard of what you've done, but also say, will you do it again? And so if you're here, and uh, I just want to pray a, a prayer for you. If you've got some of that arthritis pain, if you've got some of those diagnoses, if you've got some limited mobility, uh, we're not going to bring the band up. We're not going to turn the lights down. We're just going to pray that God will release that. I mean, even this morning, I was convicted. I was thinking, man, we're going to pray, and God's going to heal people with arthritic knees and elbows. And God reminded me, I have arthritic knees, 
And I had no thought because it doesn't really bother me right now. But, but let's just, if that's you, I just want to pray for you. So will you pray with me? Lord, we come and first of all, I want to say thank you for healing Brenna. Thank you for pouring out your power in her young body in such a powerful and memorable way. Lord, we thank you that that healing story is going to be an anchor for her. It's going to be an anchor for Matt and Randy and the rest of their girls. We thank you, Lord, that, that she has a future full of activity and movement and all the joy of childhood and adolescence. And now, Lord, we ask that you would release those same gifts of healing right now. Lord, we pray for people in the room with arthritic hands and elbows and knees and hips. Lord, we ask that you would come and you would drive out inflammation, that you would reverse the damage that has already been caused. Lord, that your miraculous power would be released in our bodies in ways that we see, in ways that we feel, in ways that can be confirmed by others. Jesus, we thank you that your healing is a gift that you give. We can't earn it and we don't deserve it, but we come asking to receive it once again. And Jesus, as you heal, we will always be the one who goes back to say thank you, to praise you, and to tell of all the good things you've done. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So again, praise at christianchapel.com. If you've got stories of the things that God has done in your life, it could be from last week. It could be from 10 years ago. It could be from 30 years ago. I know in my 17 years here, I've heard a lot of your stories. Honestly, I've probably forgotten a lot of the things you've told me about what God has done. But if you'll send those to us, we would love to share those with our body because what we've learned is almost everything that God has done for you, somebody else right now is praying that God will do for them. And when they hear your story, it builds their faith. It presents an opportunity to pray and to see God and to let him work. So praise at christianchapel.com. Today, we're kicking off our new series of messages called Kingdom Builders every January at Christian Chapel. Uh, this is how we spend four or five weeks talking about uh, what it means for us to build God's kingdom in our life, what it means for us to build God's kingdom around the world. Kingdom Builders is how we support the work of missionaries and ministries working all over the world and we're going to get more in-depth in that over the next couple weeks with local missions opportunities. Next week, we're going to tell you about Royal Family Kids and how you can serve there. Uh, in the coming weeks, we'll talk about global missions and how we're being a part of what God is doing all over the world. But today, on what is essentially the first Sunday of a new year, we're going to stop and just kind of uh, reflect on are we building God's kingdom? I know all of you um, type A's, you have probably already made your resolution list, um, and some of you might have already checked off a few of your resolutions for the coming year. If you particularly enjoy checking them off, then probably your first resolution was to make your New Year's resolutions, and you wanted the satisfaction of crossing one off before the first day of the year was over. Others of you, I know, you don't make resolutions because you just don't need any more failure in your life, and you know there's enough disappointment, why increase it? Regardless of where you fall on that, my hope today is that we can just spend some time looking at the scriptures and see what Jesus tells us about being a kingdom builder, and evaluating if that's the case in our life. And if not, then just surrendering to the Lord and, and asking him to help us kind of reframe our investments of time and energy heading into a new year. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. We're actually reading uh, the portion of the Lord's Prayer that we just prayed together a few moments ago. Beginning in verse 9, Jesus teaches his disciples and us, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. 
and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so what Jesus is teaching the disciples is several things about how they pray, how we pray. He instructs us to pray this prayer individually and together. That's why we pray it often at Christian Chapel. And today we're going to look at three things Jesus teaches us to pray. First, your kingdom come, then your will be done, then on earth as it is in heaven. So the, the idea of praying your kingdom come is Jesus helping us understand when you pray, you need to understand the power dynamics in your relationship with God. God is not a genie in a bottle. He is not an auxiliary addition to your life. He's not someone that you reach out to when you need the little boost to make yourself a little bit better. But Jesus, in teaching us to pray, is teaching us to understand God is the king and we are the servants. He is on the throne and we come to worship him. And so as we launch into a new year, if you are a resolution type person, one of the things you can evaluate is are your resolutions centered around a relationship with the king or are your resolutions centered around making yourself the king? And what Jesus is helping us understand is our first prayer as his followers is God, let your kingdom come. Put, to pray that prayer puts us in a position of humility. And, and if we are honest, we would all admit, I need God's kingdom to come in my life because there are things that I don't know how to do. There are problems that I don't know how to solve. There is stuff that I don't know how to fix. There is wisdom that I do not have. There are obstacles that I cannot overcome. And so every time we come to the Lord in prayer, we're not coming to say, God, will you do it my way? God, will you bless what I already have planned? But our first act in prayer is to put ourselves in a position of surrender to the Lord and to say, God, I might have some thoughts. I might have some feelings. I might have some inclinations about where I, I think things should go. But my first prayer is, will your kingdom come? Will your kingdom come in my life, in my relationships, in my work, in my kids, in my leisure, in my activity, in everything I do, will your kingdom come? To pray this way recenters our heart. It's why we start each year with kingdom builders at Christian Chapel to remind ourselves we are part of something bigger than ourselves. We're part of something bigger than our city, bigger than our culture, bigger than our nation. We're part of something bigger than our political parties. We're part of something that's bigger than the teams we cheer for or any other identifier that we place on our lives. We are part of God's eternal kingdom. And at the beginning of the year, we want to stop and reflect, am I investing my time, energy, and resources in ways that build God's kingdom. Because here's, here's what we have to understand. Everyone is building some kind of kingdom. There's nobody who is not a kingdom builder. We are all every day with every choice, with every decision, with every word, with every action, with every dollar we spend and every decision we make, we are building some kind of kingdom. Now, there's, there's generally three types of kingdoms that we can build. We can build our kingdom where everything we do and everything we pray and everything we seek and everything we invest in is all about lifting me up and making my life easier and elevating me over those around me. We can spend our time building other people's kingdoms. 
and we devote our best energy and our best resources and our best creativity towards lifting up another organization or lifting up another individual. Or you see it in families where, where a parent maybe is, is really devoted to building the kingdom of their child and living through them. You see it when sometimes in the way we support politicians where we give everything to building their brand and their identity and their success. We see it in the way we cheer for our teams, in the way we advocate for the cities we live in. There are all kinds of smaller kingdoms that we can give our time, energy, and resources to. So you can build yours, you can build someone else's, or as the scriptures teach, you can build God's. You can give him your best investments of time, your best investments of energy. You can trust him to steward your resources in ways that make a difference in his kingdom. But at the beginning of a year, not only do we want to recognize I am a kingdom builder, but we want to stop and ask, if that's true, then whose kingdom am I building? Where am I making my primary investments? And, and so the, a couple of things for you. I know some of us, we, we love a good metric to evaluate how we're doing, right? So, so let me give you four to evaluate whose kingdom you're building. First, look at your calendar and begin to see where do I spend most of my time? Right? And, and, and probably in addition to your calendar, I would encourage you to look at your phone and each week look at that summary of your screen time. Because right? some of you are like, well, all I, all I do is go to work and come home. Well, you go to work for about eight hours and then you come home and look at that thing for another 10 hours and then you go to bed at night, right? And, so, and, and if, if your phone is like mine, it will tell you not only how much time, but it will tell you which app. And, and I'm not trying to shame you. I mean, this, it shames me on a weekly basis to look at that thing. I think I finally turned off the notifications because I was tired of seeing it. Like, and it, it would come through on Sunday mornings. Does yours do that? Like, maybe that's actually a good thing. I don't, there's probably some Christian at Apple that was like, you know what I'm going to tell them? Right when they're going to church. So when they say you should pray more, they will have no ability to say, I don't have time. Because right there it says 10 hours a day of screen time. Like we've all got time. So evaluate your calendar. Now I know we've got work and we've got family and some of our young parents in the room. You're like, you know what my calendar is? It's kids and it's kids and it's kids all day, every day. And for some of you, you've got demanding jobs and it takes a, a big chunk of your time. And so it's not just your time that is committed because of your role, but you're also looking at where am I spending my free time? Well, my time is mine. What am I doing? You're trying to evaluate if, if I had more time. If someone came to me and said, I'm going to give you two free hours a day to invest in whatever you want to invest it in, where are you going to put that? What are you going to do? What are the spaces in your life where you constantly feel like I'm running out of time? And as you ask these type of questions, it will start to show you that where you invest your time is typically the kingdom you're building. So your, your calendar is the first one. The second way you're going to evaluate whose kingdom is in my building is you're going to look at your finances. Right? You, I, my brother-in-law all the time tells me, you pay for what you love. Right? He usually says it as he looks at my sister and his, his kids. Of, you pay for what you love, and you find a way to do it. And we, we all know this in our life as well. And, and the one thing that will not lie to you is your bank statement and your credit card statement. It will show you what you care about. Right? If, if you look at Angie and I's bank statement and our credit card statement, it will show you that we care about God's kingdom. It will show you that we care about our children. And it will show you that we care about food. And those are probably our three primary, you know, most regular and recurring expenses. I look at it at times and think, how is it possible? 
Like, how, how do you spend more on food than a mortgage? And I don't know, but we, it seems like we do it over and over and over again, right? And, and so it's, it's not going to lie to you. And you can't lie to yourself when you look at it. So you're going to look at your calendar. You're going to look at your, at your finances. And then you're going to look at your conversations. Now, this one's a, a little harder because it's not quite as black and white to see. But just begin to evaluate what are the things that I talk about the most, what are the things I talk about the most with the most passion? What are the things that get me the most excited to talk to other people about? What are the things that get me the most nervous to talk to other people about? And you will start to figure out. And if you don't know and you're feeling brave, just start to ask some of your family and friends. What are the things that I talk about all the time? I mean, if, if you've got close friends and, and close family members, you know there are some stories you start to tell, and if you catch their eye just right, you see them rolling their eyes. you start down, right? Because they know, here we go again. Like, I, I didn't know it. Again, probably going back to my, my investments in food, but have you been to Savastano's Pizza down on, on South Memorial? Anyone? Yeah? So, so I've been there, and I didn't know uh, for years that I said the same thing anyone, anytime anyone mentioned Savastano's. I would always say, did you know they make their own sausage? And then I would order their sausage pizza, and I didn't know it. And, and I would just say it, and I would say it, and I would say it. And we took staff lunches there, and, and uh, we went there one day, and, and we're driving down. I said, how about Savastano's? And Lauren from the back of the car goes, did you know they make their own sausage? And that was the last day we were friends, honestly, just kind of. You know, like she sings, we don't talk, uh, but uh, no, no, but, but you know that, right? You know, there are just things of like, oh, here we go. Here we go. And, and I know with some of you and you know, with your friends. And so if you're not sure of whose kingdom am I building, just begin to ask, like, if you are very uncomfortable talking about what God is doing in your life, if you're very uncomfortable talking about the things that he's calling you to, or if you think I, I don't have anything to talk about. He's not calling me. He's not speaking to me. He's not doing anything. It's a clue that maybe you're investing your time and energy building the wrong kingdoms, right? And I'm not saying you can't have other conversations, right? It's, I mean, it's, it's NFL playoff season. Like, I've got a lot of thoughts, right? But, but that's not what I'm here for, and that's not going to be the primary point of my conversations with you. So we're going to evaluate our calendar. We're going to evaluate our finances. We're going to evaluate our conversations. And then the last thing to consider is what do you pray about, right? And, and that might seem like, well, if I'm praying, then clearly I am a kingdom builder. But stop and really evaluate what are your most common topics of prayer? Because the things that drive you to the Lord the most are typically the things that take up the biggest space in your heart. And so if all of your primary prayers are around lesser or trivial things, it's not that they don't matter. It's not even that the Lord hasn't given them to you. But if we spend more time praying about our kids' grades than we do people who've never encountered Jesus— maybe something's just a little bit off. Right? If, if we spend more time asking God to help us solve our problems at work than we do the problems of sin in our heart, then maybe it's a clue that our investments are a little off-center. And so just begin to ask yourself that question of what is it in my life that drives me to prayer? What are the sources of anxiety and worry that push me to cry out to God? What are the hopes and dreams for success that, that excite me to the point I ask him, Lord, will you please open doors to make this happen? And as you begin to pray those, what you'll find is they give you a window into understanding whose kingdom you're building. 
And my prayer for you is that as you go through that process, it's not a process of condemnation, but it's a process of God speaking, God leading, God guiding, and him helping you understand how his kingdom comes and supersedes everything. Then Jesus says, after you pray, Lord, your kingdom come, you're also to pray, your will be done. And these two things, they, they have to go hand in hand because God's kingdom always involves God's will. So we can't pray your kingdom come and now I'm going to do whatever I want. But it's Lord, let your kingdom come and let your will be done. God's kingdom will always include the revelation and implementation of his will in the world and in your life. He is going to reveal it to you. Right? And so what that means for us as we begin a new year is we have to understand that seeking God's will requires surrendering my will. And so every prayer you have, every resolution you make, every dream I'm hoping God will fulfill, every problem I'm asking him to solve, every direction I think he's going to lead, as I pray, Lord, that your kingdom come and your will be done, I have to pray that prayer with open hands. Saying, Lord, as your will is accomplished, I understand your will is what directs me. And your will may redirect me. You, you might be coming into 2023 pretty sure and certain of where God is leading, where God is guiding. You might think you know what he's going to do at work, what he's going to do at home, what he's going to do at school, what he's going to do in all of these different areas. But yet what Jesus teaches us is to pray, Lord, your will be done. And when you're praying for his will to be done, you're trusting not only his power, but you're trusting his heart. You're trusting that he's a good, loving father who gives good gifts to his children. You're trusting that God will accomplish his plan in his time, in his way. You're committing to walking through the doors that he opens and turning away from the doors that he closes. And so as, as we go in, maybe this year you're praying, Lord, will your will be done in this dating relationship? And sometimes that's going to be an engagement and sometimes that's going to be a breakup. You might be praying, Lord, let your will be done in my job. And that could be the promotion or it could be a complete change in another direction. You're praying in a season of waiting, Lord, let your will be done. And that may be the answer you've been longing for or strength to sustain you as you continue to wait. But your will be done acknowledges he is in charge and I am not. He has a plan and I will surrender everything I have to him to be a kingdom builder is not just to build God's kingdom in the areas of life that we have decided it's okay to surrender to him. But to be a kingdom builder is to surrender every day, every moment, every aspect of my life to him and say, Lord, in all of me, let your will be done. So if we're committed to God's will, then, you know, obviously we want to know, well, how do I seek God's will? How do I perceive it? How do I understand it? And we don't have time to walk through in detail, but, but just real quickly, Jesus gives us a model. First, he says, this is what you're to pray. So the first step to knowing God's will is to pray and ask God for his will to be revealed and his will to be implemented. And if you'll do three things this year, if you will pray for God's will to be done, if you will read the scriptures every day, asking God to reveal his will to you, and if you will plant yourself in a community of faith with other believers who are dedicated to praying and seeking God's will and submitting to the authority of the scriptures, you will hear, discover, and implement God's will. God's will is not a mystery. 
It is not a treasure hunt that is only for the smartest or the the most spiritual. It's not something that he hides or withdraws from us. God's will has been made plain in Jesus Christ, has been made personal through the power of the Holy Spirit. And now at the beginning of a year, it's a wonderful time for us to say, Lord, this year I want to know your will. And because I want to know your will, I'm going to act on it. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read the scriptures. I'm going to live in community together. And I promise you, if you'll do those things, you will hear God's will. But once you hear God's will, then you have to make a decision to participate in God's will. Jesus doesn't teach us to pray, Lord, let your will be revealed. But he teaches us to pray, let your will be done. Right, so, so how do I participate in it? Well, I, I participate in God's will by doing God's will. When God speaks, I act. When God reveals, I follow. When God directs, I submit. And, and so as God reveals his will to you, it's not complete until you start to participate in it. And so he might begin to lead you on some new paths. He might begin to redirect some thoughts and some energy and some activity in your life. Your job is to follow him on that path. Sometimes we have trouble. We think, well, I don't know what God's will is. It's because we disobeyed the last thing he told us to do. And we're still stuck on the wrong path. But if you will submit, participate in God's will, you begin to walk the path where you receive the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. You walk the path where you are doing the things that God has called you to do. You are in the places God has called you to be. You're surrounded by the people God wants you to be around. And you continue to understand and participate in his revealed will. And so the, the, the first step after we ask and he speaks is we've got to start acting. We've got to start doing it. And it might be new, it might be different, it might be challenging, but just begin to take those first steps of faith on the path that God has laid out for you. And as you participate in his will, you will experience the blessing, the grace, the mercy that comes from walking the path that God has laid out for you. And then I, I know for, for some of us, we're, we're parents, maybe you're in positions of leadership. And, and so when it comes to God's will, one of the, the final questions we ask is, well, how do I help others discover God's will? Right? And, and as a, a parent of teenagers, um, I am understanding more and more this, this delicate balance of like, I'm pretty sure I know what God's will is. So why don't I just tell you and you do it? Your life will be easier. My life will be easier. Mom's life will be easier. Everybody's life will be better. I've been where you are. I know the challenges. Just do what I tell you to do. And I, I've started to notice as I've been a pastor longer, some of that bleeds over as well. If, you know, somebody comes with, hey, I've got this problem. I'm like, great, been there, done that, heard the story, saw the success, saw the failure. Let me tell you exactly what to do. Go home and say this to your wife and never say that. Go home and say this to your husband and not that. Go home and do, you know, and, and you just kind of want to lay it out. And, and for some of us, that's, that's more our personality than others. If you're in positions of authority at work or home, you're going to face that temptation as well. My encouragement to you, though, if, if your big concern is how do I help others discover God's will, the best thing you can do is just follow God's will for yourself. Begin to ask, instead of spending all your time asking, Lord, what do you want me to tell others to do for you? Just begin to ask, Lord, what do you want to do in me? What do you want to say through me? What do you want to develop in me? Where do you want to lead me? Where do you want to challenge me? Where do you want to change me? And as you begin to obey and follow the path that God is laying out for you, what actually happens is you're making it easier for others around you to discern, hear, and follow the path that God is laying out for them. Your life becomes a model of obedience. 
your life becomes a model of surrender. Your life becomes one that others can look at and say, even when it's not easy, they submit to God's kingdom and they submit to God's will. Your life can be one where the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit are on display. Your life can be one that shines like light in darkness. And as you live out the life God has called you to live, as you give and serve and love and work, as you have fun, as you hang out in your neighborhood, as you hang out with your friends, as you're with your family, as you're engaged at Christian Chapel, in all these spaces, as you follow God's will and I follow God's will and we all commit to Lord what are you saying to me he begins to use our lives to provide an opportunity for others to hear what God is saying to them and so this year may it be a year where we focus just on Lord what are you saying to me how are you directing me where are you calling me to obey where are you calling me to change and what you'll find is as you follow that path God then begins to give you grace-filled spirit-empowered opportunities to help others discover God's plan for their life and then the, the last thing Jesus teaches us to pray in this little portion is for his kingdom to come his will to be done and for all of it to be on earth as it is in heaven. And so, so to be a kingdom builder means that my ultimate goal in life and my ultimate goal in everything I do is to see the power, the presence, the authority, the grace, the mercy, the forgiveness, the healing of Jesus Christ be evident in the world as it is in heaven. Right, when even, even earlier, when we pause and we pray for God's gifts of physical healing to be released, we're praying for just a glimpse and a taste of what life will be like with him in heaven. Where, where there is no more death, where there is no more sorrow, where there are no more tears, where there is no more pain. And, and as he releases these gifts, it's an, it's an opportunity for us to celebrate pieces of heaven are being experienced on earth. We're praying for his grace and mercy to be abundant and flow through us. We're praying for our relationships to find a place of wholeness and unity that is unlike anything else in the world. Some of us, we, we've had those moments in life where it feels like the, the space between us and heaven is very thin. Right? And if you have time and you've, you've walked with Jesus very long, you can think about some places in your life where you felt so close to God, where his grace was so personal and powerful, where you, you maybe felt him with your emotions, you heard him with your ears, you knew more than you knew anything else at any point in your life that Jesus was with you and Jesus was for you in that moment. There's, there's some Christian writers and Christian mystics throughout church history who they call those thin places. They're the thin places and thin spaces where it seems like the gap between heaven and earth grows very, very small. And what Jesus is teaching us to pray is, as I pray, Lord, your kingdom come and your will be done. As you pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Your life becomes a thin space where others experience on earth the things of heaven. You become the conduit through which God begins to tell his story, share his power, and release his gifts into the world around you. You are the place where God's glory dwells. And as you live for his kingdom and you, uh, you uh, surrender to his will, you become the place where others begin to see that's what it looks like. That's what it sounds like. That's what it feels like when you walk with Jesus. 
And so the prayer for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven is not just a prayer for my life to go from from good to better to best. It's not just a prayer for my unending success, but it's a prayer of, Lord, will you take every moment of every day of my life and will you shrink the space between heaven and earth? Will you send the power of the Holy Spirit to me to glorify Jesus in me and through me? Will you help me to use all of my time, all of my energy, all of my resources to make much of Jesus in the world, to point the attention of others? And whether I'm succeeding or failing, whether I'm rejoicing or grieving, I believe that my life can be a thin space where others perceive and experience the power of God working through me, flowing in me, and overflowing out of me to the world around me. On earth as it is in heaven. And it's not just a prayer, it's also a promise from Jesus that when we pursue God's kingdom and when we surrender to his will, we will experience his power, his might, his love, his presence on earth right here, right now, as we will one day in heaven. Jesus encourages us elsewhere in the the Sermon on the Mount to make sure that we understand our kingdom investments are our most significant investments. The reason we want to pray for his will to come on earth as it is in heaven is it's those heavenly investments, it's those kingdom investments that last. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus tells it to us this way. Verse 19, he says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus is telling us that God's kingdom is an eternally secure investment. And so I know as we head into a new year, many of us, we we long to do something significant and important with our life. We want to act in ways. We want to steward our finances and our time and our energy and our relationships in ways that last after we're gone. Right? Over the last, I think, four or five weeks, I've, I've, done about, I've done three funerals for people from Christian Chapel. And every time I do a funeral, it forces me to kind of pause and evaluate. Someday, there's going to be a pastor standing and doing mine. And there's going to be, hopefully, a lot of good stories that they can tell. And I hope there's laughter, and I hope that that there's a, a, a generational legacy of my family following Jesus. Like, there's all these things I hope for. And, and yet I also know that there's going to come some decades after my death, or maybe years, or maybe months, or maybe days, where I'm no longer a memory in anyone's life. And where the world goes on. And eventually we all get to that place where most of the things we've done and most of the things we've said have been forgotten. But what Jesus is telling us is if you will make kingdom investments with your life, then long after everyone has forgotten who you are, where you were from, or what you did, your investments will still be making a difference. For over 2,000 years, Christians have been praying this prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus has answered that prayer in every generation, in every nation, in every life where people cry out to him. And our job as we serve him in this moment is to continue to say, Lord, before I'm anything else, I want to be a kingdom builder. Before I give my time, my energy, and my resources to any other pursuit, I want to surrender them to you. 
So if you'll stand with me, I want to pray for us that 2023 will be a year where we experience his kingdom, his will, and his power. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Jesus, we thank you that you are a good God, that you have revealed yourself to us as our source of salvation, that you have sent the Holy Spirit as our source of power. So now, Lord, at the beginning of a new year, we stop to reflect on our investments of time, our investments of our energy, and our investments of our resources. We pray that in these moments and in the coming days, you will speak clearly to us. Lord, we want to be kingdom builders. We want to direct our lives in the direction of your kingdom. We submit our will to you and we hold everything we have planned and prayed for with open hands, asking that 2023 will be a year where we see your kingdom and experience your kingdom, where we hear your will and obey your will and where your power and presence comes to us and through us on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus, we pray if there are those today who've not begun their relationship with you, may they hear the invitation of your Holy Spirit today to repent of their sins, to acknowledge Jesus as savior and to take their place in your family as your sons and your daughters. Holy Spirit, we invite you to bring a work of new life to bring a work of clear direction to each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, Christian Chapel family, thanks for joining us today. I hope this Kingdom Builder series is helping you focus as you start 2023. If there's anything we can pray with you about, please drop that off at christianchapel.com prayer. If you'd like to partner with us, you can do that at christianchapel.com give. And if you'd like to learn more about how you can be a kingdom builder at Christian Chapel, please visit christianchapel.com kingdombuilders. We're praying you have a great week and build God's kingdom wherever you go.